It's your Midwest Garden Podcast. Today, Scott and I are talking roses and other woody plants or woody ornamentals that need pruning and when to do it. Now, stick around. Get it? Scott, stick around. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Today's discussion is Season 2, Episode 7. Hello, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy, along with freshman gardener Scott Sandstrom. It's a beautiful day here in Northwest Ohio, and the forsythias are starting to bloom, and so that means rose pruning window is now open. Ding, 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 ding. Open up. Start pruning. So get out there now or wait 15 minutes for the weather to change like it does here. Well, you could have been out, instead of wasting your time just, you know, breathing air, you could have been out there pruning right now. That's right. So, Mike, did you catch the new quick tip feature a couple of weeks ago? Yes, I did. Don't let Slivy know. Slivy gave us top pieces of advice for your spring lawn work. Yeah, well, Slivy, he's he's great at what he does and what he knows. Now... I like the new tips. Quick and easy. I mean, like a minute. It's to like the a point. T- two-minute tip. Bing, bang, boom. Your top pieces of information. Easy to search. But he yelled at me. Of course he did. I mean, he did. He wanted something scientific. I said, I'm going to throw some grass seed down. I just got a Labrador. He digs. I'm going to throw it down. And before the crabgrass germinates, he goes, it ain't going to work. I said, I don't care. I'm going to do it. Well, it's not scientific. I so, said, okay, it's going to prove it. So what's it doing? Uh, nothing yet. But okay. It's, but ground temperature. Which is right. Which is right. Well, okay, it has I'm just to be in the concerned. 60s. Because uh, I know Slivy asked me how that experiment's coming. Experiments have to be scientific according to him. Well. Tell that to Alexander Graham Bell where he goes, Watson, come here, I need you. Let's get to work. Did you want to know anything about pruning roses? Well, that was the assignment you gave me to do my homework. You did the homework. Uh, Yeah. All right. I did do it. This is dangerous. I I know, very dangerous because the monster you've unleashed is. What I found out is a lot of people are nervous for no real reason. Well, People are afraid to cut their roses. We've had the Rose Society on in the past. That's one of our our, uh, podcasts. But all they talked basically about was the Rose Society, what to get, when to get, what are the best buys, and that sort of thing. Basically, a rose by any other name is a rose, right? (laughs) Uh But anyhow, it's a a gorgeous-looking weed. You can go ahead and prune it. I just don't expect you to go out there with a gas-powered hedge trimmer and go... And trim all of your roses with that. No, but here's, so part of what I found out is, as a weekend warrior, so you have to relax with some of these tidbits and all this information out there is because a lot of the information is for the show or exhibitor rose people. Lingo. Where the, exactly, where they're trying to, like, the straightest, the hybrid perfect. Tees, the most decent, the new shoot that's coming yes, out. Yes, this is going to win me a blue ribbon. Well, which you know, is great. I mean, if you're into that, that's true. But don't you just want to look at it and smell them? Yes. Okay. I mean, for us weekend warriors. I mean, I'm, I'm normally, if you got a six foot tall bush right now and it hasn't been pruned in years, I'm going to suggest strongly that you go out there and prune it, but you don't do more than one third of the entire area away at one time. You gradually get down. So one third of six feet is what? Three feet? So you bring it down, that's one, one half. Of uh, six. <laughs> okay. No, this is, what is one third of six feet? Two feet. Two feet. Yeah. Two, so, four, six. Yeah. I like my three feet better, but I've got two of those and they're triply width. 
Anyhow, don't go more than a third the entire area away at one time. So if it's six foot tall, two feet down, and the reason I'm suggesting that because you don't want to shock the plant. I mean, it took years for it to get to where it is right now. Graduate downward. Then during the growing season, you can go ahead and take another third off if you want. Bring it down to where it's going to be something that's going to produce for you continuously. Now, on doing your homework, did you find out what causes them to produce? No, I didn't find it. Was, this was about pruning, not what makes it bloom or produce. Well, it's, they, Buds. Only, they only produce flowers on new growth. New growth, exactly. One of the cautions was whether it's a reblooming rose plant or just a regular one one hit wonder. <laughs> so, but <laughs> you are such a novice. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Rose bushes are not my the thing. one hit wonder. Well, they would I, be. I'm if just going. Got... I'm just going to tell everybody that I removed all the rose bushes from my landscaping around the pool because it kept. You kept oh, running in them. That's blaming on tequila. No, no, no. <laughs> like all the kids' uh, balls, inflatable toys were deflate. getting popped. Yeah. Or when the storm came by and the wind blew them against the the prickle. <sighs> exactly. There's a number of things out there, and a lot of people are saying the same things in just different orders. And somebody's like number five or number six, it would be my number one. And this is something that you should have done probably a couple of weeks ago. But you need to clean your tools before you do any pruning. And this was like their number five point. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why before now, you yes. make even one cut? It's like you're the surgeon. You don't go in there with somebody else's blood on your scalpel. Yeah. So, you know, they were talking about how disease can carry over and in uh, in sharing the needle and so uh, my question to you is how important is it if, if i'm out there trimming rose bushes between each bush do i need to wipe it down is it that crazy some people go 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 to the nth degree and do that yeah i mean some people have little little packets of those uh, alcohol wipes and then they wipe it after each pruning just so that it, if there's a diseased plant and they want to get rid of the disease if they're that focused on it for the most part most every one of the roses that you're going to find in the market in the Midwest right now, from all the way east Pennsylvania, all the way west, let's say Washington State, you're going to find that they're going to be hardy enough to withstand any of the hacking and whacking that most people are going to be knocking them on. I mean, seriously, they're going to be knocking. You're afraid to go out and leave. Some people don't want to leave a long stack that's there because they're afraid that's going to die back. And it's going to work its way into the rest of the plant. Of course, you don't want to leave a, a, a dead stick there. You trim it down as close as you can to the primary shoot. And what do you look for? Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, aren't okay, we? Okay, I'm going to follow Scott. Let's go. <laughs> Clean your tools first. Right. My number one suggestion. Absolutely. Because I'm such an expert here. If you're going to be cutting into so, them, clean it. And, and if you want to clean it in between, a quick wipe of something like you suggested is not a bad idea to prevent disease between them. Well, any of the but tools. if you got a healthy rose bush, yeah, I mean, it's, can it's, I just cut the next one? Yes, I say. I just, just <laughs> clean the thing off and then make sure that you give them a good haircut. Now, if you want to be even somewhat a little bit more finicky, um, wipe them off. Between rose bushes, meaning that you right. wipe one off, do your entire bush, go to the next one, wipe it off again. Uh, but on your regular garden tools, yeah, clean them off, get rid of the excess, but you don't have to sterilize them. They can go into the ground. The bacteria that's in this is going to be, it's not going to make any difference. But on your cutting, yes. Detail Scott here is also going to say, I'm going to go one step further and not only clean it, but let's get the right type of pruner. 
Hey, look at that hey, face hey, you I just made at him me. A smile that's oh, from here boy. to here. Jason Glenn, okay. nobody else can see it. So you did your homework. Bypass pruner. Why do they call it bypass? Because the two blades bypass each other. Almost like a regular set of scissors. That's almost like a pair of scissors. If right. you get the kind that's almost like a vice or, or not a vice, but where they smash together, that will could do more damage to your. It, it compresses the veins. Compression. Yeah, yes. that's it. it and you, you want and to slice it like a, like a razor blade or a scalpel. Right. That's the best way to do it. It slices. It's fine there. But when you go ahead and you use those. The, the, they're basically like anvils or like a vice itself. It, when you come down with the sharp point onto the hard, flat portion of it, you're squishing the stem. You're crushing it. You're causing more damage. More to damage it. than right. just a nice, clean cut. Right. Okay, so now even, again, even, be, you know me, I like to lay my foundation work down first. Right. Even before we decide what we're going to cut, right. let's talk about how everybody talks about pruning at an angle. Well, okay. Some people are like, yes, prune at an angle. The water falls off of it, less chance of disease. Some other people are like, hey, when it rains, there's so much water. Evaporation takes everything off at the same time. <laughs> That's a myth. That's not necessarily needed. And then you can react to that in a second. I got one more, and you can put a whole sentence together. Good. If you can do that. Sealing the cuts after you're done has been debunked. You don't need to do that Take at all. Take a lipstick and go ahead and dab it on there. It's a, it's a, like a wise tale. If you don't use that, that's not appropriate for the gender orientation that we're in right now. It is an old individual's tale. <laughs> PC Garden Guy Mike. Damn guys, straight. <laughs> we're gonna have to have like your last name instead of MD. After we'll have like PC G G G. You, know, you can guy. call me Mike the Mick if you want to. I'll just call you. Yeah, call me. <laughs> never mind. All right. So, okay, anyway, so anyhow, let's. Hit, you want me to attack hit, any of those? So we did. Yeah, hit me the the pruning and the sealing. What you what you say? The pruning primarily when you're talking about on an angle. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be. The reason that they're they, they in the old days they were promoting, like you said, you don't want any collection of water to go inside there and cause any type of spreading of disease. But it doesn't, you know, if you're cutting it on an angle, your wound is going to be longer and larger than it would be if you were just to cut it straight off. Now, the, the reason that they want you to do it on an angle for certain purposes is that it helps to stimulate new budding. And again, roses only produce flowers on new growth. So angle cutting will, in some of the areas, will definitely assist in promoting new buds to stimulate new stalks, to stimulate new blossoms. And then go from there. Because it's at an angle versus a straight cut? No, a straight cut. Now, it depends on what you're going to be cutting. Okay. Now, if you're going to be cutting, for instance, uh, let's say you're going to be cutting the roses off, a hybrid tea. Hybrid teas are those long stems that you give your wife on Valentine's Day, don't you, Scott? Oh, she loves them. Okay, yes. <laughs> Notice, though, that they cut those on an angle. Why did they cut those on an angle? It's for the intake of the nutrients or the water that you're putting them in. More of more, a, of an intake than it square. would be if you did it. Yeah, I understand on, that. Okay, that. Now, when you're out pruning, yes, cutting it on an angle above the bud where the new growth is going to be. In other words, from where, if you can picture the bud, the budlet that's going to produce a new stalk where the new flower is going to be, 
If you can cut just above that on a slight angle, you're going to be fine on that end. You don't have to be that precision oriented. I'm not into it. Some people have been just like the fallacy of going ahead and taking it and putting some tree coat or putting lipstick on the old wound to prevent any nutrients or any type of diseases from coming in onto it. That has been proven false also. Cut and trim as close as you can with bypass pruners, as clean as you can, and you're done. Let it callous over on its own. Save the lipstick for your wife, Scott, or, you know, it's cool if you want to use it. I'm not going to be judging anybody for what they use for their own personal use. Just save it for, you know, at home. Don't put it on your roses. If you cut at an angle to save a rose because you want the bloom and to put it in a vase. The vase, right. I get the angled cut. But if I'm just pruning down my rose bush, the beginning of this season, I can do a straight cut. You can do a straight cut, right? Okay. It's not going to make any difference at all. All right. See, again, remember. Because you're going to be doing, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I'll call them stocks. Is that incorrect? Probably. There are going to be stocks. So if you're doing a lot of them, you know, once you get in a flow, you tend to just go whichever when way your you're hand doing, is. Yeah. When you're doing the pruning, the primary purpose of pruning is to thin out all of the dead and the ugly. When it gets lazy and starts producing more and more stalks and leaves, it's not going to produce any flower. Thin it out. Mm. It's only going to produce new growth, new flower on new growth. Um, as long as the cut is clean, you don't have a two-inch stalk there so that that can dry up and then absorb water and fungus and disease and go into the other stalks itself. No, get as close as you can to the primary branch or stalk that you want to cut it from. Okay, so good. We Done. got We got our angle. We got a clean tool. We have the angle or non-angle that we're going to cut at. Right. The suggestion was in order to, for people that are afraid <laughs> to start cutting bushes, the rose bushes. Just go out and there and do what, it. Yeah, I know. But some people are like, you know, I, I'm, what am I doing? I'm not sure. So what they suggest is, like you said, start with dead. Get rid of the dead growth. Get rid right. of the dead growth, damaged growth, and then crossing stems. Yeah. Just taking that easy part gets you in the flow of cutting, putting, gets you, you know, into the flow of actually doing it, and you speed up your process especially if you have a lot of rose bushes to do. Right. So that kind of gives, that's a confidence builder. What that really is, is taking the dead stuff out. So now when you get to some of the live stuff and it's, you know, maybe dead at the top or damaged at the top, you know, and then you go down X amount of space or whatever and cut before a bud and how they get into that. Yeah. Well, did you notice that, I noticed this. There are gloves out there. I, whenever you're playing with any roses, most 99.9% of them have multitude of roses on them. I mean, uh, thorns on thorns, them. Thorns, yeah. Yeah. Get no, yourself. That was a suggestion, too. Get yourself some. Get a decent pair. Yeah. I mean, something where it's not, you, it's not like chain mail, but, or chain mail, whatever that is the Knights in Shining Armor used to wear. Or but sh- if you can get something that's going to go up to your elbow, that's going to be fine. Right. Because they love to bite you. Um, and it usually turns people off from doing things any further. If you've got the ample, the decent rose gloves, you can go out there, stick your hand in there, put your, you know, your, your, your nice gardener's hat on, put your headphones on, listen to some gardening tunes, and go and attack it. Yeah, get rid of the old stuff. It does, it helps build up your confidence for the new. Now, okay, the lateral growth. What did you learn doing your homework on the lateral growth? 
Well, lateral growth. So what I learned is what you're really trying to do is trying to get air around the bush. Through the bush. Through the bush. Around the bush, in the bush. All the way through it. Exactly. So if you get some air in there, okay, if you get some air in there, that's just much healthier. Plus, it dries out the water evaporation for your non-angled cut now. Bingo. Makes it faster. Bingo. But what they're saying about cutting rosebush is that you cut or you prune with an outward-facing bud. And I know we're going to have a discussion right here. I can tell you already. I see the look in your eyes. Their suggestion is an outward-facing bud. Or some of them are saying, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly outward. It can be, you know, 90 degrees, just not an exact inward. I mean, if you just cut some crossing branches, why not just cut that or below that bud that's going inward? Because all you're doing is producing another inward stem, which you just cut back anyway. So the theory, or I assume their theory is, is... You're wasting plant energy by growing a a stem inside again, which could be, which you could have used that energy on an outward. But when you're doing the pruning, and remember, you're doing it right now, you see all these little budlets that are all over the place, inside, outside. You got rid of the horizontal um, stem or stalk already. Right. All right. Now, you're noticing that there's some budlets that are facing the same direction that that horizontal um, uh, stem was. So you are couple you saying, low. You couple you, low that one. You're gonna, Get rid of it. But why? Why? I mean, because I, just told, you why. Now, my, here's I my told you my theory. Here's but. my my logic. My questioning. Let it grow, and then cut it out when it's done. Why? You're wasting plant energy by growing something that you're just going to cut and out. And if we want to go on to the amount of energy that you're utilizing, now mind you, remember all plants make their own food. It depends on the proper nutrients that you're putting into the soil to help them make their food and process it. It's called photosynthesis, light processing. So you're giving it more you can give surface it the, to produce photosynthesis. Thank you. And but, it's going to make its own food. And another little bit of useless information. The more budlets you have, the more flower you're going to have, right? Yeah. Did you know that the rose bush? Or actually, the apple tree is related to the rose bush. Yeah, we did. We talked about that in yes. like last season sometime. So you're going to be taking off some of the beautiful flower or the rose hip, which is actually the apple that's going to produce from the stalk. You can always cut this out later. The energy that this plant is going to be expending on one to three to five, if you've got five horizontal uh, stems right now, cut them all out. And leave them alone. And if you see them going off in that direction, go ahead and trim them off anyhow. But I don't want you to cut off at that bud because I want you to reap the benefit of the blossom or the flower that's going to be coming off of it. Our listeners can decide what avenue they want to take. Let's hope they don't take yours. Come on. Okay, you can. Aren't I a sophomore? Don't I get a little credit Well, no, see, here's the, because if they do, they're going to, I think, I agree with you. Once you get good at, now let's put it this way. When you first learned to drive, did you drive a a six-speed with a a, a Holley shifter with a Holley four-barrel carburetor in it? With nitro. Yeah, with nitro. You did? (laughs) No. No. No, Mike. All right. Drove a beater. (laughs) Okay, I started, I learned how to do a a four-speed on a Volkswagen, but- 
And you start simple and you work your way to the complicated. Right. I get it. And I think the way that I agree with you, the, the complex routine that you have, if you're becoming really, really good at growing rose bushes, then absolutely get rid of all those horizontal buds. Learn how to train the, the bush. Allow it to grow in accordance to the way that you want it to grow. Remember, when you trim on the outside, it forces inside growth. When you trim on the inside, it forces outward growth. When you trim both out and in, it fills the plant out a little further. But primarily the objective here is is to thin those stalks out. One person that I was reading kind of agreed with you based on you're not making a show rose. So go ahead and let it go in if you want to. If you want it to, right. The, show, the people doing show roses are not going to do that. It's almost like a, a cardinal sin. They're only going to allow do. about one to three of those blooms to come from, from one primary stock. And these people are really into it, which is really cool. It's good. But I think if you're going to be wanting a nice rose garden to get some nice blossoms, to get a nice fragrance, get something that you can bring indoors and put in a vase, um, you can go ahead and do that. I mean, I think this is going to be something that you're going to appreciate. Well, how much am I taking off? You said no more than a third of the plant, but yet I've seen some guys like take, well, okay, let's at a time. Does that mean a week later I can go trim off another third? No, maybe about a month later you can. It depends on what new is growing. Because I want you to graduate down. Okay. With pomp and circumstance? So this, uh, some people were, and, and this may be too harsh, that they were taking their rose bushes 18 to 24 inches high. So, I mean, they had some like five footers that they were taking down to two feet and they were leaving only three to 10, 12 stems up. They were kicking everything else out and they were like, well, this was a great starting point. So that, to me, that sounds a little harsh compared to what you were saying. The thing is, this is your Midwest garden is to possibly educate as to what you can do eventually later on. But right now you want to reap the benefit of the plant. Let's put it this way. It's a a short season. So old timers used to cut them all the way down and just leave about five, five small primary stalks there, cover them with leaves or put rose cones on them or collars and fill them with mulch. Mm Mm-hmm. Now there's a rule of thought that you don't have to do that. All you have to do is allow it to take its own course, maybe shape it up in the wintertime, and then just cut out the dead cane the following season. So, again, these are two schools of thought. One is already um, has been around for a couple hundred years, uh, and the other one has just been coming out. And for people like myself, I would rather go out in the spring, cut out the dead, shape it up, then cut it down to about 8 to 10 inches and leave about 3 to 5 primary thick stalks down there that may or may not survive the wintertime. You're saying do that in the fall? That Generally, that, generally that's what they used to do up here. they do it in the fall. Um, so, so that extreme cut down is in the fall. They used to cut them down to, and in fact, on Jackson Perkins, they had basic uh, recommendations on how to. Um, When you got your roses from Jackson Perkins in the box, you can look at it and you can see maybe about three to five stalks on it with a couple of thorns, but that was it. Nothing pronounced pronounced as far as any growth. That's basically where everybody cuts them down to or used to cut them down to in the fall to stimulate new growth. Once you get really, really good at this, the crown, here's the deal. The crown is the part of uh, of the plant where it meets the soil. It's a knot. 
where everything starts to fork off of it, the the three to five stocks that come from that crown mm -hmm. end up producing primary stocks later on for the production of flour, whether it's a grandiflora, floribunda, or hybrid tea. Or it could even be, you know, your, your, your climbing roses. The thing in this, the most important thing here is the central nervous system of that plant is at that crown. If that gets destroyed, if that gets frozen out, you're not going to have a good, um, if it's a hybrid, uh, result. You can find out that the, the original plant that, uh, was, uh, that it was grafted to will start to stimulate growth. But if it was a, let's say if it was a uh, Arlene Francis and it was grafted to, let's say, an old bramble, you're going to see this bramble start to perform where the, the hybrid portion of the grafted part is died off. So you don't want to, I mean, when people have cut them all the way down, it's usually in the fall and covered up to protect that portion of the plant. And that's in the fall, especially in the Midwest. We're stuck between a zone four and a zone six. I mean, sometimes it's Arctic, sometimes sometimes it's it's quite pleasant in the wintertime. Right. So if you're saying, like, if, if I'm trying to maximize the amount of buds I get, yeah, and you're saying that it uh, buds only come on new growth. I, I, me, I'm going to say it. Well, I'm going to cut as much down as I can, so so I can get more new growth, more buds, and I'm going to do this every year. Well, is it only once a year that you're planning on doing it, or are you going to do it continuously throughout the growing season? Because I don't know. You tell me what. If I'm doing. you allow that thing, if you cut it down, and you're going to stimulate three to five new primary stocks, where you're going to get new roses off of it. Once they're done blooming, eh, you'll get random blooms here and there. But the more you prune, the more flower you're going to get later on. So, I so am, prune versus cutting back are two different things you're saying. But cutting back is severe pruning. Yes. Right? Uh, severe pruning. So okay. you're going to, when you have the flowers, let's say you've got them in May, Mother's Day, they're coming up really glorious and they're doing what you wanted them to do. Once they start to die back, or if you want to, yeah, once they start to die back, you're not going to get any new buds to come from that, that, that stock. You may get a random one here and there to come by, but the more that you prune the old stuff off of it, the more flower you're going to get to come back after you've pruned it. So for every one that you've cut off, you may get about three to five new ones to take its place. And I'm going to jump the gun here only because you mentioned that, but um, deadheading roses is a good thing. Yeah. Basically just for cleanup or bud encouragement, especially if you have a, a rebloomer. A, a Grandiflora, floribunda, or yes. even the hybrid tea. Right. Okay. So. Climbing roses, for the most part, will not be a rebloomer. Just wanted to bring that to your attention. You're going to get a grandiose. Now, some of them are hybrid so that they will, but you'll get a grandiose. There's one out there that's called the Blaze. Beautiful red color. Um you let it take its own course. Don't cut the primary stock. What is the primary stock? You'll see on those. They're, they come from the crown, and they work their climb their way up into a trellis or some type of a supporting device. Yeah, I was going to get to climbing. Well, okay, I didn't so mean we're to. So we're there, but go ahead. Well, basically, I want you, when they're done blooming, to trim all of that off and let the air get inside there. Because if you don't let air get inside there, air collects, and it creates moisture, it, it creates, well, air collects moisture and, and the funguses that are out there. Makes them more susceptible each year to disease. Now, I don't want you to go out there and spray them. I want you to thin them out on a regular basis. Make sure that you've got a hardy plant and do not trim that primary stock. 
because you're going to get new growth to come out of that primary stock for the next bloom. And I hope that helped. But the deadhead, like when I think of deadheading like a marigold, like I'm popping it off right. You can do the same thing to a rose. Yeah, but it was also suggested you could go down a little bit. And it also depended on if you had... um, what what's the kind of rose that's a multi bloomer? Not uh, Grandiflora and a grand- Florabunda. Both of them are going to give you multis. Multis just, within a, a single stem, right? Versus like a hybrid is going to give you one, one really one bud on one stem. Right. Okay, so the Grandiflora is. I mean, they were you know explaining that you can cut that back like six inches down from where that bunch of roses need. Don't leave a dead stock. Cut it down to the next set of leaves down there. Yeah, and there was something about five leaves. Uh, yeah, those are usually... Now, see, you don't have to be that precision-oriented. If it's a three-leaf, that's fine, too. But five leaves, it means that you've got a stronger established network of branches that are down there where it will satisfy. You have to have the leaves in order for photosynthesis to occur. Those are solar cells. Those, that's what the leaves are. Oh, that's a good way to put uh, okay. it. Okay, so the the more leaves that you have, the more food production. Therefore, the more bloom the, or fruit you're going to get from it. Because the the end product, all even apple trees bloom. The end product is going to be the fruit, the apple. The blo- blossom on a rose bush is going to create the fruit, which is the rose hip, which is technically the apple. But when you go down to the set of five leaves, if you want to be that precision oriented, it will ensure more development of other flower for you through the photosynthetic process uh, of, of taking in nutrients and creating its own food, making it healthier and heartier. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. What I want to say to everybody, let's look at the end result of this pruning process. And what you're trying to get to is a nice shape that you like with an open air center in order to get that airflow going around there too. So whatever you think your rose bush will naturally look good in opening up the center, then you're successful in what you've done. Do you know there's another one that's out there right now? It's called a bramble. Well, technically it's a bramble, but it's gorgeous. And you can take your your loppers to it and give it a haircut because it's a hedgerows. And it's called the knockout. It was hybrid a few years back. I won't give the people credit for it because they know who they are, but they're a beautiful, beautiful do nothing rosebush to it. If you wanted to make a nice, complete hedgerow out of them, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous. All you have to do is take your loppers to it if you wanted to or needed to, and then they will continue to bloom throughout the entire season for you. You don't have to cut those down. Just cut out the dead or give them a haircut the following you know, spring like it is right now. The other thing I want to bring to your attention, there's multiple colors. There's pink, there's double pink, there's red, there's double red, there's yellow, there's double yellow. The... I'm partial to the doubles, whether you, I, I'm not partial to the yellow that most of the ladies tend to be. I like the pink. I like the red. They're much more vibrant. They stand out than they do on the single petal one. Climbing roses. Okay. We're going to go right back to that. Okay. Yeah. We it. do. Yeah. We kind of zigzagged go in ahead. this yeah. last little yeah, section. That's me. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have an attention deficit disorder and I'm not making fun of it. It's cool. It really is. I mean, I'm thinking about a million things at one time. You know what I'm thinking about right now? 
Not roses. <laughs> Uh, so climbing roses, pruning takes on a lot of the same rules, except you don't cut. I'm, I'm going to call it the mother branch, the mother stem, but there's you cut the daughters off of it. The offshoots from that stem. Yes. Yes. And, it, and is it true that a lot of the, the main stem grow more horizontally in the what I call daughters or more vertical climbers? Those are actually the vertical climbing. Those are the ones that attach the climbing portion to the trellis or whatever. To the trellis, the fence, whatever you put up there, the 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 jute, whatever you're going to use for it to secure itself to it. So that's primarily the only difference. You got to be very careful of what you're cutting. Sometimes you get you'll know the difference. You'll get about three, maybe four primary climbers. Uh, We'll call them primary stocks. But then as you follow up, and what I think is probably best is to cut the smaller shoots off at the bottom and work your way up. Um, don't go too high because you're still going to want some of them to fill out uh, maybe two or three feet from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And it's going to create that array of flower. Now, if we have a decent spring, you're going to see these suckers really kicking butt. I mean, a lot of these, I mean, there's what, you've got like a Jacob's coat which is um, a Joseph's coat, biblical, whatever. No, Jacob's letter, Joseph's coat, which is going to be the yellow, the burgundy, the red. It's really cool. Or you're going to get the blaze. There's a number of different varieties of them, but you should thin those out so that they do get the air in them, especially when they're done blooming. You had mentioned other woody. Yeah, other woody plants. Other plants. Yeah, if you're going to trim roses, you might as well go out and do some trimming of, uh, for instance, your hydrangeas now. We may mention about you do the ornament, the, the French hydrangeas. You don't do any trimming on that. Just trim the bloom off of it. Leave it alone because you're going to be cutting away this year's bloom. But then there's the paniculata. That's the woody, the heavy-duty woody hydrangea that's got these blooms that are dead on it still. Go out there and cut those off. Or even the oak leaf hydrangeas, cut those off. But there's other plants that are out there that are blooming in the spring or bloom summer. doesn't matter. Um the things that I don't want you to do any pruning to are going to be like your magnolias. Do not trim your magnolias now. Do not, because you're going to be taking away the bloom for this season. Right. Do not trim off, uh, trim your lilac until they're done blooming. When they're done blooming and the new leaves come out and they turn as dark as the original plant, then go ahead and give it a haircut. But you can go out there. For instance, there's a bush out there that's called the Forsythe. You know what the Forsythe is? Yes. You know oh, what that is? Dang, I That's, No, no. That is my grandmother's maiden name. Oh, no, no. I don't want to talk about your grandmother. <laughs> Come, no. No. Could, wait. So what is this? It's, this newsflash. It's, it's a forsythia. You do your homework. A gentleman, I can't remember his name, but he was, uh, he was the botanist for King George, uh, and he came up. He gets credit for basically not discovering it, but hybriding the forsythia. Now, you'll notice that it's a bright yellow in the middle of the season right now. Um, when they, Well, not now, but by the time, eh, you, it depends on what the weather's like. On the Forsyth or the Forsythia, you can go ahead and give it a good mother of a crop right now, and it'll still bloom for you. Uh, albeit the, the stalks that you took off aren't going to be doing any blooming. But the more you beat it up during the growing season, the more flower you're going to get the following season. If you don't do any beating up, and I mean take a hedge trimmer to it, you're not going to get that much. You'll notice year after year they tend to do less and less and less of the flowering. 
That's because you need to prune those. They think they're rose bushes. They think they're going to be developing the bloom on the new growth. But this is one of the plants that you can go ahead and take a hedge trimmer and go, <laughs> and just go ahead and chop at it. But don't do that until after it's done blooming. But now here's a trick, too. You can be, kids, if you're listening up, you can bring this in for mom. Husbands, if you want to do this really nice for your spouse, or anybody that has a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a significant other, find a forsythia and go ahead and cut all, not all the stems, but cut about a dozen of those stems off and then put them in a vase of water. Within the next three to five days, you're going to see nothing but a bunch of blooms starting to kick butt. And you're going to be the, 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 the what, what am I looking at? The savior of the day? Not if it's somebody else's forsythia that you're cutting. So make sure you have permission. The more important of this whole story is I could be related to the well, let's Foresight. look it up. No, we're not going to look it up now. I'm going to look it up. No, we're not going to look it up now. We got other things to talk about. Well, so you, you should be, well, okay. My, my, I His name know. is William Forsyth, and he was oh, born Uncle in Bill. Seven, Yeah, Uncle Bill. <laughs> he was born in 1737. He died in 1804. He was a Scottish botanist. He was a royal head gardener and, and the founding member of the Royal Horticultural Society. So, Scott... You've, if you're gonna live up to your namesake, I, I gotta, I gotta either find somebody in my family that has already done one of those. The uh, Royal Horticultural Society family tree. Gen, the genus of flowering plants, for instance, the forsythia is named in his honor. Anur, and it's spelled H O N O U R. I'm just gonna say I'm related. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, I would congratulate I mean, me. Thank you. You know, they got a picture of me here. Oh, it looks exactly like me. Hey, look at that. It does. Except, you know, you don't have curly locks. Except you got for it's your, black and white. Well, all right. Yeah. It's yeah. the only difference, Mike. You got about the same the smile. Nah. That's black and white. <laughs> to wrap up the, this portion of pruning rose bushes, another woody. Know your bush. While I'm pruning, can I throw some rose tone or holly tone down while I'm out there? Here's the deal. Yes, I, I would say you can for the rose tone or holly tone now being that we're past St. Patrick's Day. Uh, March and April can still be kind of iffy. The thing I'm really more concerned about is the early frost or the late frost, actually. And the late frost, if you're going to stimulate growth, we've had this, I mean, beautiful weather, 70 degrees, 60 degrees. We're going to have 50 degrees. I don't think anybody here is going to be complaining but the plants are going to be actively taking in those nutrients and producing food. And when they're producing food, they're going to produce new growth. It's going to be tender growth. If we drop down, not just generally for a frost, but it goes to a quick freeze for an hour or two, that's going to ruin that or damage that new foliage. It's not necessarily going to kill the plant, but I don't think you're going to want to, you know, beat the plant up. So I'd hold off on doing any of the nutrients. If you see any plants that are out there now, like your tulips, your crocuses, like we talked about before, those suckers that are coming up are going to be hardy enough to withstand the damage that mom nature's throwing out. I just don't want you to artificially stimulate any new growth too early. So when it comes down to the holly tone, I don't think it's going to be hard. Uh. So I know we've had, at least in this area, we've had, you know, like a quarter inch, half inch worth of snowfall up until like April 15th, April 20th at the latest. I'm feeling comfortable. You can go ahead as that. long as it's an organic nutrient with the mycorrhizae. I don't want you to use anything that's synthetic that's going to have that really high nitrogen, really high phosphorus, and really high potassium to stimulate growth because it's going to promote too much growth too quick, too soon. And if we go down, like you said, I'm not worried about the snowfall. Snow works as an insulator. Um, the frost, it actually it's is just going to the cook frost, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, last year we had 
a night and a half, I want to say, that, um, I mean, that wiped out a oh, lot of our uh, azalea plant stock. It'll, it'll, you had the beautiful flowers, and then kaboom. Here's something I want to ask you. See, you've been doing this podcast for over a year, right? When is the threat, or we'll put it in tomato Tomachevsky, when is the threat of a killing frost over? Uh, we're doing this again. You know I'm, I know this answer. Okay, well, tell me. What it's is the answer? the end of May after the second full moon, if there's a full moon. That was totally confusing. Say it again slower, not necessarily the end of May. The last? The last full moon that happens in May. That's right. That's right. So if we only have one full moon in May, what you're going to have? You're only going to have the tread of one frost. After that full moon is there... You look at the calendar, you go and plant your tomatoes, tomatoes. you plant your roses, and then you I can feed put, them. And then I can put them. my rose tone down. You put your rose tone down, kick busters, you betcha. All right, well, that's not good because I've laid some holly tone down on a few other things already. Holly tone, I'm not worried about. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not. I'm not worried about the tones. I'm worried about any of the, the really the heavy-duty products. If you're going to put those down, don't do it until the threat of the killing frost is over. Have you checked your mailbox lately, Mike? Which one? I've got a mailbox that's outside connected to the house, and then I've got the, you've got mail. Oh, are you talking about for your Midwest garden? Yes, that one. Well, there's a couple the in there letter. right now. I just, I don't want to do anything without the permission of producer Scott, if you know where I'm going. <laughs> you've got mail. We had Tracy Cotterman. Hello, Tracy. Well, she, she sent us a question via Facebook. Yes. And she said, and we talked about garden beds, which remember that question with uh, Thomas, we included him about what was a good material to use. That's right. So That's she, right. But this is not related to that. <laughs> she, I'm glad she has, got the attention deficit no, no, disorder. No. She asked about a raised, she goes, I have a raised bed question. I was gifted crimson clover seeds. Can I plant them at the end of the growing season to use as a cover crop in my raised beds? Now, before you answer, you did answer her on Facebook, but I think we, I think we kind of shorted her a little bit, well, and I want you to expand. Her real question is, is at the end of the growing season. Right. We talked about Crimson Clove fixes nitrogen from the atmosphere, blah, 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 and it's a great ground cover, but we didn't really answer her question about can she do it at the end of the growing season? It's a good clover is a good cool weather growing plant. I mean, it's 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 gorgeous. You could use it as a ground cover if you wanted to. Um, people use it for basically for grazing of their cattle. I mean, this is high end stuff. The 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 benefit here that she's going to be getting of any kind of what did we figure? It was around two hundred pounds per uh, acre. Of uh, nitrogen that's yeah, been collected, 200. it will fix it back into the soil. Uh, but if you're doing it for raised beds, I don't want to do the math, but I don't think it would be worth your while, other than being a ground cover. Well, yeah, but so I mean, yeah, there's I, again, other ways the question can, is, can she plant it at the end of the season? She can. It's a cool weather growing plant, okay. and it will it will do fine. I mean, it'll grow. You know, me. I just don't I, know if she's going to get the real benefit of the end. Of the nitrogen-producing part of it, part of it back right. into the bed. Right. Okay. Right. Beautiful. I mean, I mean you know me. I need the yes or no. If it's above ground, you've got other things that you can use. But if it's, you know, if let's just say that this is five acres of above-ground container growing, 
Well, heck yeah, put it in on all of it. You can go ahead, and I mean, if it's if you've got five acres of, of above-ground beds, yeah, go for it. Remember, 200 pounds for every acre. So you're going to get yourself 1,000 pounds of nitrogen for your five acres worth. So you can do it. It's, it's all about if it's going to be truly if, beneficial. If that's what you're if, going if for. If it's more than just a ground cover to co- put something in the beds. Again, there's other natural ways that you can go ahead and put nitrogen into the soil. Uh, or I, just if you maybe, want to do it, go for it. it I have absolutely decorative. Nothing. You will find that when they're blooming, they're gorgeous. I mean, they are. And it, uh, Tracy, go ahead. Put it in there. I'm not going to. I happen to be just a little more lazy than the average individual. If there's something that's organic that I can go ahead and put out there the following season, that's going to increase the nitrogen in it, especially when it comes down to above ground or container growing, go for it. But if you're going to want to go for the combination of the way it looks late in the season, yes, you are going to let it grow. It will grow. It's not going to grow to its fullest depending on what the season's like. But if you start at the end of August, first part of uh, September, You've got all of September, October, first part of November into Thanksgiving. It'll do a decent amount of growth for you. So me not knowing any of this and from the other weekend warriors out there that are have probably have the same question I do. So if she does do it and you have it for those months and you're rebuilding the nitrogen, you just pull this out in the spring? No, you, you, you till it in. Oh, you just till it back in. You're right. Okay. You till it back Before in. Before I plant whatever I'm planting right. in my raised beds. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So that's where the nitrogen's coming from. It's not that it's taking it from the air and putting it and it's depositing it via the roots. No. It's, it's coming ex- from the plant to the ground cover you're, itself. You're, you're basically working it back into the soil. Right. Okay. Cool. All right, Mike. So that wraps up your question of the day, your Mike's Mail question of the day. Or the I'm through. You're through with me. Yes, and so we, you know, we wrapped up. We discussed the rose pruning. Yeah. So hopefully everybody's rose Other bushes. Other plants will, that you can go ahead and do some pruning. Well, look pretty because when we talked to Cheryl last season, and I don't have that episode up here quickly for me to give you guys a reference, but I'll maybe I'll put that link in the show notes when we talked to Cheryl and the Toledo Rose Society. We talk. We also mentioned about how many rose bushes don't have fragrances oh, yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go for looks for rose bushes we're from going now for on. For looks and look for. Well, I mean, the Chrysler Imperial is extremely fragrant. The Abraham Lincoln is extremely fragrant. Look for those, um, and and look for the. But the new new varieties that are coming out, they're mostly for looks rather than the smells. The, the, the smells. Right. Buy a candle. <laughs> Technology. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning into the show. We'll catch you next week. On your Midwest Garden, remember, I'm Michael Work, the Garden Guy. Right, Scott? You are. I am, and always have been. Thanks for listening to Your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at Your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.